Welcome to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. WellMed Radio will educate you about health and wellness for seniors and their families throughout Bear County and Central Texas. During the next hour, your hosts Ron Aaron and nurse practitioner Cora Zhuk will share information that will help you improve your health and wellness. And now, here's Ron Aaron and Cora Zhuk. Well, thank you very much and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Cora Juke. Cora's a nurse practitioner, graduate of Texas Tech University undergrad and graduate school. There is a master's in nurse practitioning, and her old coach, I think, now is heading off to coach the Cardinals. Isn't that amazing? You get fired from uh, collegiate sports, and you get hired by NFL. Mr. Cutie Cliff. I'm telling you. So my wife was excited about that. She just thinks he's the best. He is. He's so cute, but unfortunately has no defensive experience. None. (laughs) Zero. But he sure can put an offense together. Yes, he can, and he's not bad to look at. Well, we... (laughs) That's what my wife says. We wish him well. That's right. We wish him well. Now, you were recently in a medical conference down in Orlando, and it turns out our guest who's joining us now on our WellMed Radio hotline, Dr. Tamika Perry, was there as well. She's at WellMed at Redbird Square up near Dallas. I had a chance to meet her when we participated in the grand opening of the new senior center and clinic up there just outside of Dallas. And Dr. Perry, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, you're a self-described military brat born in uh, Southern California on the Air Force Base and did a lot of traveling, right? I did. I did. I have um, my sister and I probably by the time we were 11 or 12 years old had been around the world uh, probably a couple of times and kind of sparked our our passion for traveling and our passion for people. And consequently, both of us are physicians. And and that's kind of where my career led me to today. Now, you were raised in uh, Wichita Falls, Texas? Yes. Yes. How How did that happen? Well, it, it is a military town, and um, that is, it has a technical base there, a tech school there, and that's where a lot of the enlisted men go to train after their basic training, and that's where my father met my mother, and wow. ultimately um, that's where my mother decided she wanted to retire at. And as you know, usually the, the wives are the bosses in the household, and that's kind of how that happened. That's pretty cool. So when cool. they retired, um, that's when my sister and I graduated from high school. You know, it's funny. They always say, when you marry a Texas girl, be prepared to live in Texas. Yeah, you always <laughs> come back. to live in Texas. Yeah, yeah they always come back, right? Yes. And then you headed yes. off to Philadelphia for uh, uh, med school, your doctor of osteopathy at the College of Osteopathic Medicine. Uh, moved back to yes. Texas where you uh, completed your family medicine residency at Methodist Charlton Medical Center in Dallas and you served as chief resident there, also earned a master's in public health. You are clearly an overachiever. I don't, I don't know about overachiever, but I don't have very many outside talents. Like, I don't like, I don't know how to sing or to dance, and I, I don't draw very well, but the one thing that I do like is school. So I try to do as much of it as I possibly can, you know, um, if, if I could, I probably would try to go to law school, but I don't think my daughter would appreciate that at this point in our lives. So um, that's what I do. I, I like school a we, lot. We call uh, that well-rounded, Ron. Well-rounded. Yeah, well, I think it's cool. I'm a lawyer. I went nights to get my law degree. He's an overachiever. <laughs> so I plead guilty to that. Now, Cora, awesome. <laughs> Cora's working on her doctorate now at the University of Texas, Houston, uh, in uh, nurse practitioning to be uh, an administrator. Yeah, and that is- it's it's the executive track. So yeah, my 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 dream job would be to uh, be in the corporate world as a vice president of something or other, or in the C suite somewhere. So that's exciting. And for you, Dr. Perry, uh, yeah. you mentioned one of the attractions uh, to medicine was people and a chance to help people. How, how did you uh, end up seeing seniors, predominantly seniors, in your practice? See, you know what? It's it's a little bit selfish because. I learn more from my patients than I think that they will ever learn from me. And the population that I learn the most from is my senior population. And when I sold my practices to USMD, um, now slash WellMed, four or five years ago, and I learned that we are very senior-focused, I was ecstatic. And learn that I can focus my practice around seeing seniors because that is the population that I have a passion for seeing and very selfishly because I learned so much 
from my senior population, not only about practicing medicine, but about life in general. We are all going to be a senior one day. I agree with you, and they have so much wisdom. And and I say that oh I say that as I'm arms length away away from a senior himself, uh, our 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 co-host or host, yes. I guess, host with the most, Ron Aaron. Well, I plead guilty to being uh, <laughs> seventy six, turned seventy seven in uh, in May, but don't feel a day over seventy five. It's amazing. It's amazing. They're so (laughs) spry. And and you're exactly right. We learned so much from them, not only just about their health, but life in general. And and I absolutely feel honored to be able, just like you, to serve our seniors. And the population that you serve in the uh, Dallas area, Dr. Perry, one of the things you mentioned to us off the air uh, is the challenge of so many of your patients who have diabetes. That's right. Why do they have it? Diabetes is a disease of lifestyle and diabetes of genetics. But if we just look at diabetes as a disease of lifestyle, we are Southerners and we enjoy Southern cooking, Southern eating, Southern living. So we enjoy foods that are rich in carbohydrates. You know, we like chicken fried steak that's breaded. We like pecan pie. We like cornbread. And what happens is, is that our pancreas produces insulin. And insulin is the car or the vehicle that carries the carbohydrate. And carbohydrate is just a fancy medical term for sugar unit. It carries that sugar unit from the blood to inside the cells of the body. And I always tell my patients, think of it as a garage door opener and your cells as that garage. And without that garage door opener, that sugar cannot go on the inside of that garage. It just floats in the blood. So what happens is, is after years and years and years of these high-carbohydrate meals, our pancreas, it gets tired, and it can't produce as much insulin. It can't produce as many of those garage door openers as it did before. And that sugar just floats in the blood, and sugar in the blood is pathologic, and that's what diabetes is, and it causes a cascade and myriad of problems. i give you an example of something that drives me crazy. Uh, Bill Miller, the local barbecue joint that's on almost every street corner, like nail salons, if you go yes. in and uh, you order an iced tea, their default is sweet tea. That's their default, and it shouldn't be. It should not. It should not. So, and you can see the end result of the default in our neighborhood. Um, you know, you will see the barbecue place with the sweet tea, and then two blocks over, you see a dialysis center. And you say it may be a long stretch, but one is directly related to the other. And it's also interesting, too, how portion control mm-hmm. has and portion sizes have have just Absolutely. become so massive. And, and it's, you know, not only portion control, but then the options that people have. You know, there's there's advertisements everywhere on every street corner, on every sign, billboard for these fast food restaurants who are just rich in sugar and carbohydrates and, and not good for our body. And they're not good options for us. But you see less advertisements for whole foods and vegetables and fruit options. So it, it is very difficult, and, and that makes choices a challenge for our patients. Very much so a challenge for the patients. Um, but, you know, the, the size of what a large is at McDonald's has changed from 1985 to the present. You know, what a large was then is actually what a smaller and medium is now. And you can go to McDonald's now, and it doesn't matter what size offering you get, it's all a dollar. Absolutely. Why not get the super duper extra triple large times three? Sure, sure, sure. And when you think about the calorie and the sugar content, you know, if you look at a a standard size can of, let's say, any soda, just Coca Cola, for example, that's a that's an what an eight? No, it's actually a twelve ounce can. Um, That's that's more than a serving. There's two and a half servings per can, and that's just so much sugar. But yet people People drink it all as one serving. Yeah, and then they go for the Mexican Coke, which is even higher in sugar. Absolutely. Even, even higher in sugar. And one of the things I tell my patients is roughly if you take the total number of carbohydrates in a product and you divide it by four, that tells you how many teaspoons of sugar is in that product, even if it's not sweet. So if you take an average soda and you divide it by four, the total number of carbohydrates, and this is a can of soda, like she was referencing, it's about 10 teaspoons of sugar in an average soda. Sunkiss has about 12. It's super sweet. The Mexican soda has about 16. 
So I think you can either drink it or put 10 little sugar packets on your tongue, or 12 or 16, depending on which can of soda you're drinking. Wow. Tremendous amount of sugar. Tremendous amount of sugar. And sugar also makes you feel good. You know, it, it satisfies certain receptors in your brain, the same receptors as certain illegal drugs do. So okay, you look now. At, you look at certain scans of your brain after you've eaten certain foods that are high in sugar and you've consumed certain illegal drugs, your brain looks exactly the same. So there's no question that uh, if we were better about watching what we eat, understanding and reading labels, uh, Dr. Perry, uh, listening to you describe all that sugar, for example, in, in some sodas, if we took the time to watch what's going in our mouths, could we even avoid type 2 diabetes? We could to a certain degree. Now, now, most certainly, some of it has a genetic factor. And, you know, we're, we have not reached a point in science yet where we can do gene therapy and change our DNA. But we most certainly can avoid the type 2 diabetes as a result of lifestyle changes. What the World Health Organization recommends is that everyone exercise at least 150 minutes a week of cardiovascular exercise. Um, I'm not advocating that if you're not used to exercise, that you start off with 150 minutes a week. And that doesn't have to be 30 minutes, five days a week. It, you can do 30 minutes, five days a week. You can split it up any way you want to as long as it's 150 minutes a week. But if you're not used to exercise, I always tell my patients, start 10 minutes a day. And if you can do 10 minutes a day, if that's what your capacity allows you to do, listen to your body. But next week, do 12 minutes a day then do 14, and gradually work yourself up until you can get to that 150 minutes a week. And if you have certain medical elements that won't allow you to run, walk, swim, dance, then sit in a chair while you're watching your favorite program, have cans of food in your hands, and lift them up and down during the commercial break. And then next week, lift them up and down during the program and rest during the commercial break. Because where there's a will, there's definitely a way. I like that. And you didn't say have a can opener there to eat the food. No, 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 absolutely not. Absolutely you know, not. I, I want to go back just a little bit because um, we, we had just talked about and you had just hit on how sugar, if you look at the MRI of the brain and you look mm -hmm. at p the patient's use or somebody's use of some type of illicit drug versus right. the sugar and you watch the stimulation of their brain and we get that sugar high, if you will, yes. it makes us feel good. It stimulates the endorphins. I mean, I think about yes. when I think about chocolate right now, I can yes. I can stimulate those endorphins when I eat chocolate. It makes me feel good. Mm. Although on the back end, it makes me feel guilty. Dark chocolate. And just like just like an addiction would for people who use illicit drugs. So tell us a little bit more about that. Well, People definitely have sugar addictions, and I think that some of this is, you know, the industry definitely knows this. They they put more sugar in the food, they give us bigger servings, and we get somewhat addicted to it. And on the back end, what happens, you have this whole population that's becoming overweight and, and developing diabetes, hypertension. Um, as a result, there's heart disease that's happening. There's... Um, you know, renal failure that's happening. Um, and, and some of it is, a lot of it is inadvertently. You know, we don't know that... You know, the serving size is getting bigger. It's still a dollar to us. Sure, sure. The drink is still a dollar. We're getting more of it, but we keep coming back. And we just keep like coming back. And just like people who have, you know, the caffeine addiction, I know that if I go on a a low sugar diet, if I restrict my sugars, I start to get that initial headache because I'm so right. my body's so used to it right. that I get that headache and, and then I say, Oh, well, I should have had sugar or I could do just a little bit and just a little bit is just a gateway for a lot more. For you to have more and more. Absolutely. So I always tell my patients, you know, you know, there's a reason they call fruit nature's candy because it, it you know, it's fructose that's in it, which is a fruit sugar. Will your blood sugar go up some? Sure it will. But it's a much better process and digest sugar than sucrose, which is that white, that table sugar, mm -hmm. that sugar that's really detrimental, that sugar that causes that inflammatory process in your body, that sugar that causes that adipose around your midsection that gives you that really attractive, uh, you know, donut ring around your, your belly. Sure, that white refined sugar. And right. I always tell my patients, if it's white, stay away from it. It's overprocessed yes. and stay away. Yeah. I've got a good friend yeah. named Rex Tackett who maintains that every Texas man has a 32-inch waist. 
It just depends where they cinch their belts. <laughs> Stay with us, Dr. Moore. We're going to come right back to you. You're listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Cora Juke, and we enjoy this conversation. Carol Zornio, we talk a lot about caregiving on Caregiver SOS on air, but what is it? Caregiving is caring for a family member, a friend, a loved one, someone who's in your life that needs help with bathing, dressing, buying groceries, medical appointments. If you do any of those things, you're a caregiver. And how can this program help? Caregiver SOS On Air has information from people who have been caregivers, who work with caregivers. It can be book authors, scientists, doctors. The latest information on caregiving right here on KLUP. And one of the things we learn from so many folks is they fail to ask for help when they need it. Well, caregivers do need help. We don't like to ask for help, but we need it. And you'll get tips on how to ask for help and how to have a better life as a family caregiver. Plus, there's a great website you can go to, caregiversos.org. Caregiver SOS on air, Sundays at 6 p.m. on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. So on Sundays, we give you two hours of great medical shows, Caregiver SOS on air at 6 p.m. and this show, WellMed Radio at 5 p.m. I also want to remind you, and get out a pencil, write this down, the Run for Seniors, a 5K run walk and a 2.5 run walk, supporting seniors on behalf of the WellMed Charitable Foundation, scheduled now for May 4th. That's a Saturday. 7 a.m. registration, 8 a.m. race starts at Mission County Park Pavilion, 6030 Padre Drive. For registration information, call 210-301-8800, 210 8,800 kids 10 and younger and seniors 60 and older are free. Registration is $30 and day of registration is 40 bucks. And this year, we've got a very special costume contest. It's Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Dress as your favorite superhero and we will see you at the run for seniors. I'm Ron Aaron along with our co-host Cora Juke and we are talking on our Well Med Radio hotline with Dr. Tamika Perry, who is up at the WellMed at Redbird Square. She's a doctor of osteopathic medicine, and we're talking about diabetes, and uh, we've talked a little bit about what some of the risks are in terms of the food we eat. Uh, Dr. Perry, how do you diagnose someone has diabetes? It's an awesome question. So diabetes can be diagnosed via the blood, but there are also uh, physical signs and symptoms that that can give a a physician a clue that the patient may have diabetes. So if we talk about from the blood, if you come into your physician's office and they do a random finger stick, and that's checking your blood just randomly, and you have not fasted, and it's just a random glucose and it's over 200, that's diagnostic of diabetes. If you've been fasting for the last eight hours and it's over 126 and that's diagnostic of diabetes, you can also do something called a three-hour glucose tolerance test or you can take a test called a hemoglobin A1C. And if your hemoglobin A1C is over 6.5 and you have other diagnoses such as high cholesterol or high hypertension, then you have a diagnosis of diabetes, or if you're 6.5 with no other diagnoses that are related to heart disease, on repeat analysis, that's diagnostic of diabetes. So those are strictly from a blood test point of view. Now, there are signs and symptoms that will give you a clue that you may have diabetes. One of the signs and symptoms is something called acanthosis. Acanthosis nigrogans is a darkening of the back of the neck or the cheeks. It's like a velvety darkening of your skin. That's a, that's a sign or a symptom of uh, diabetes. If you're peeing a lot, thirsty a lot, or hungry a lot, these are signs that you may have um, diabetes. So we can either do it from what you guys tell us, diagnosis-wise, or either a blood test. And it's really interesting because we have a lot of patients who we do the blood tests and, and patients go into a, a, a like a denial. They they say, no, there's no way I could have diabetes. Right. But I tell them the blood doesn't lie to us. The blood tells not. us a story about where your body has been and, and where it's going. And what you don't know can absolutely hurt you in the long run. Or kill so you. Yeah. So it, it's yeah. really important 
for us to embrace this diagnosis early together and let's collaborate, let's work together to find a good meal plan for you. And the first thing that I do, I know when I diagnose somebody with diabetes is I pull out that tri-compartmental plate because it just seems like these days nobody does dishes anymore. They always go and get those styrofoam plates that we're clogging into the landfills with. But they get these plates and they're tri-compartmental, right? So they have that big portion that people always think, well, that's for my steak and potatoes. And I think, no, 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 no. That's for your vegetables, <laughs> not your fruits, your vegetables. Yeah. And when I talk to patients about cutting back their carbs and everything, I say use your fist and your fingers to develop a, a what a portion size should actually be. I, I use things like tennis balls and light bulbs and fists. And like I said, one finger for one ounce, two fingers for two ounces to give them perspective of how they should be eating in order to cut their carbs down. And just to give you an example, I, you know, that's like spot on almost what I do. I put it in perspective for myself because like I said, I, I come from, I'm a Southern girl who comes from Southern parents and my mom is an awesome cook. And I always tell my patients, my favorite meal that my mother makes is fried chicken, yams, and I like them syrupy sweet. Mm, I'm getting hungry. I do. <laughs> and cornbread, mm. and I like it cakey sweet. Covered in and, butter. Um, mm-hmm. I know. And, and collard greens. And and that's, that's my favorite meal. And if she doesn't make collard greens, then either um, cabbage. It's my favorite meal that my mom makes. And I tell them, if she makes that meal, how I really should eat it is the biggest portion on my plate needs to be my greens. And then my next biggest portion needs to be my chicken. But I really need the white meat and not the thighs that I normally eat. And then of the yams and the cornbread, I need to pick one, not take both like I normally do. And the serving size that I normally have, I need to half that. So if I normally get two big spoonfuls of yams, I really only need one, not two. And I don't need the cornbread and the yams. Now, both Cora and I are jonesing for yams <laughs> and fried chicken. And that's difficult, yeah. especially when people have been yeah. eating this way culturally for yeah. a long period of time. You for know, I think about time. even down here in South Texas with the Mexican food. I mean, if you're going to eat enchiladas, you're going to eat a flour tortilla with it, correct? I mean, yes. that's just the way yeah. it is. And nobody's yeah. going to leave their flour tortillas on the plate, you know, on the plate or in, on the table. But we have to. These, this is a lifestyle change to save our lives. Right. And I tell people all food that's good is not necessarily good for you. You know, so Very just because it tastes good does not mean it's good for you. So mama's fried chicken hand breaded, of course, is fabulous, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily good for you. Not necessarily good for you. I don't tell mama. And, n- no, <laughs> even though I told her I was going to do this today. So, <laughs> you know, um, don't necessarily tell mama. So it, it, it is a lifestyle change. It absolutely positively is a lifestyle change. But this is what we have to do. This is what's necessary. It is a mindset change. So, Dr. Perry, once uh, you tell your patient uh, you have diabetes, uh, here, here are the reasons I believe that, what's the next thing you tell them? I tell them that, you know, this is, this is going to be a team approach between them and I, and it is, you know, three arms of the triangle. It's, it's lifestyle changes with diet and exercise, and it's medication. And I go through the reasons why we need to do these things. Just like we were referencing before, a lot of the patients say, no, I, I don't have, my patients call it sugar, I don't have sugar, I don't have diabetes. And I always ask them, well, have you been peeing a lot? Well, yeah, that's because I've been drinking a lot. Well, and I go, well, this is why you've been drinking a lot, because your kidneys have been peeing a lot, and your kidneys have been urinating a lot, because your kidneys see too much extra sugar in your blood, and it's filtering your blood to get that extra sugar out. But you're overworking your kidneys, and you're on your way to dialysis. And once I say that, usually it kind of hits home. I want to come back to something you said earlier, which really puts a light on all this. Take a look at a barbecue restaurant and see how far away a dialysis center may be. Right, right. Wow. That, yeah, far away. That is, that is, um, it is something that hits home. And I know um, if I could take my patients who are in denial or have, you know, hemoglobin A1Cs where we want them to be as, you know, less than seven really and, and 6.5 or less would be ideal. But when I, when I, talk to these patients who are getting the gold star at 13 and 15 of hemoglobin A1Cs to tell me that their sugars are staying up in the three and four hundreds all the time. I want to say, 
let's go on a field trip. Let's go talk to somebody who is on renal dialysis or has lost a toe or lost a foot. Right. And let's talk to them and give let them give you that perspective of don't do it. Don't do it. Go back before it's too late. That warning. Because when people do peer-to-peer interaction, and that's one thing that I do love about working with WellMed is we do a lot of that right. peer-to-peer interaction, it, it really hits home rather than, you know, your parents telling you, do this, do, don't do that. It's somebody who's been through it telling you, look, here's what happened to me, and it will happen to you. It will. And, I, you know, it's, a, it's always a, a good eye-opener. You know, it's not a matter, if we continue on this pathway, it's not a matter of, you know, if it's going to be happen. It's a matter of when it's going to happen. This pecan pie is not worth your leg. This pecan pie is not worth your kidneys. It's not worth your heart. It's not worth your life. That, that's a great, that's a great impactful statement. I have a good friend who works here at uh, 930 AM The Answer who has shared his story on air, so I'm not violating any confidence, but he uh, has diabetes. Uh, He went through a period of time where he didn't check his blood sugar. He figured he was eating right, so everything had to be okay. He cut his foot on the bottom of a pool, had uh, peripheral neuropathy, didn't feel the cut until it was too late and ended up uh, with his right leg amputated just below the knee uh, simply because he wasn't treating and managing his diabetes. Right. He does now. And he's a great he he's a great advocate for control of diabetes and and he loves to share his story and and that's where I love to get our patients involved and in telling others here's what happened to me because again that's so impactful for other patients again we can tell them till they're blue in the face or we're blue in the face to say you got to control your sugars and you got to do this but when they actually see somebody who has gone through it it makes a difference and he's now losing uh, eyesight as well mm-hmm. lost eyesight in one eye the other one is. Uh, Still has sight, but it's touch and go. Mm-hmm. And it's a little late for a wake-up call, but it's clearly a wake-up call that others can hear and follow. Mm-hmm. And this is, and I, I tell my patients, you know, de- depending on most of the time, but depending on where we diagnose you in your disease state. But honestly, a lot of the time, we are not at the end point because. Diabetes is a disease state where your insulin system is no longer working properly. And your insulin system is needed to help process carbohydrates. Well, there are other food sources besides carbohydrates. There are proteins. There are good fats. There are, you know, vegetables. You you don't have to, if your insulin system doesn't work, don't eat as many carbs. Honestly, it's almost as easy as that. Honestly. Is one of those good fats chicken fried steak? No. But it is, like you said before, though, it is hard because the good food isn't always what tastes the best, you know. Because of what you're used to. Sure, sure. And when you go to eat a salad, you know, you want to be able to to enhance the flavor of the vegetables, not by draining it or drowning it, I guess, in in ranch dressing. You want to be able to use your vinegars and, and change your whole lifestyle so that you can enhance the flavor of the vegetables, eat more of them, and not drink ranch because that's just full of carbs and full of empty calories that do not fill you up. Well, I'm sure, Dr. Perry, you have patients who come in who have been gaining weight and they can't lose weight who say to you, but all I'm eating are salads. I go to the salad bar. That's what I'm doing. Yes, that's absolutely correct. But I also tell them, too, like, what are you putting on your salad? And, you know, calories come from food, so we need to evaluate that. And then when we evaluate their salads, honey, you, you have, like, a whole fried chicken on top of your salad with ranch dressing on top of it. Oh, I forgot about the chicken part, right? And the pasta salad. Right. I, I like to share a story, right. and, and our, our listeners have heard it numerous times, but I know I haven't shared it with you yet. So I had a patient who mm-hmm. um, I used to see quite frequently, and his A1C was 15+, plus, and he Ooh. was morbidly obese. And I, I want to say he was close to 450 pounds at the time. And he was a, he was a large, tall man, but 450 pounds, for his frame was just too much and not to mention his a1c was was terrible and i kept meeting with him every three months and we would talk about the same thing and i left that room feeling completely unfulfilled with the patient experience i know he had to have left completely unfulfilled with his experience and we were getting nowhere 
So this went on for a matter of a year, and and we were getting absolutely nowhere. Maybe it would dip just a little bit, but then it would go back up. And so I finally met with him, and I said, look, here's what's going on, and and I really do not believe that I am doing anything for you at all. You know, at this point, you could probably not come here and not waste your time um, because I just don't feel like I'm making any headway with you. What what am I doing wrong? And and he said, he says, you know, can I be honest with you? And I said, sure. He said, you tell me all the time that I'm morbidly obese. You tell me this and yeah, it kind of hurts my feelings. And I know that you're not doing it to hurt my feelings. And I know my sugar is terrible. And you tell me all these things that I can do and all these things that I can't do. But can I say something to you without hurting your feelings? And I said, absolutely, please. Because I've known this guy for five years. We've developed a rapport and that's what I love is that I could spend this time with him. He said, well, you're not skinny. And I said, what? Oh, I love this story. And I said, you're right, I'm not. And he said, you know, you have some pounds to lose as well. And I look at you as you're sitting here telling me that I'm morbidly obese. And all that keeps replaying in my mind is the fat kid telling the fat kid to lose you know, weight. And, and that's, it's just not working for me. And I said, gosh, you know, you're right. I said, well, what would work for you? He said, would you be willing to lose weight too? Would you be willing to put your money where your mouth is? And I said, well, yeah, I would, because I need to do it for my own health as well. And for my own life. He said, okay, so let's do it together. Tell me what we need to do, but you have to follow it to a T. And I said, okay. He said, what do we do? And I said, well, we're going to have to see each other frequently. We're going to have to see each other once a week because we're going to have to be accountable to each other. And we're going to write down everything to the mint that you put in your mouth. You're going to write it down. And I'm not telling you that you should not put something in your mouth. I've already given you that information, but write it down and let's come together in a week and let's see what we have been eating on a regular basis. So we come together and of course his is, you know, fried chicken and chicken fried steak and, you know, he goes to Subway and he'll get, you know, a foot long and three hours later he'll eat another meal that's, you know, a burger. And I'm looking at mine and and I see, you know, cookies and I see crackers and I see candy bars and I see, you know, mints, but I've eaten the whole bag of mints rather than, you know, two mints. Right. And so we looked at it together and I said, this is outrageous. Look at the two of us. Look what we're doing. We're going down a horrible path. And so meeting every week and having that accountability partner made such a difference in, in our lives. And over the course of, it, it took about nine months, but I was able to lose, you know, 50 pounds plus. Sometimes, you know, we go to 60, but I, I stayed right between that 50 pound weight loss. And she looks fabulous, and, by and the way. And it, it really yes. helped. It helped my perspective. And he yes. lost weight and his it changed his perspective. He now counsels many of our patients who are newly diagnosed with diabetes. His A1C went from 15 plus, And now the last check that he had done, he was 6.8. And he is so proud that of that 6.8. Well, you ought to be proud. I'm very proud. You should be. I'm very that. proud. And it's the relationship and it's the working together. But it's the fact that... As a provider, I was able to embrace that with him and recognize that he's saving my life as well as I'm saving his. And being able to finally reach, because sometimes with these patients and you're diagnosing with diabetes, getting over that hurdle of the of the denial is so difficult. Well, you saved his it's, life. Sure. You, you did. You, you effectively saved his life. And I totally, when I say I love this story, I love this story because the same thing, I had the same thing happen to me. I said it to myself when I first opened my first practice in 2006, you know, I was walking up and down the hall one day and, and I had had a little baby and, and I've never been a tiny, tiny girl by no stretch of the imagination because I truly am a Southern woman who likes Southern food. <laughs> yeah. But it got to the point where I was like, this is getting ridiculous. And I said, how can I be walking into these rooms from room to room telling people to eat right and exercise? But before I walk in, I'm like wiping Snickers off of my mouth. <laughs> I said, this just feels mm-hmm. wrong to me, you know, because people do as, you know, they don't necessarily, they do as they see, not necessarily as they hear, per se. So I, and, and everyone in my family, um, I'd seen have strokes and diabetes and heart attacks. So I went on a personal 
mission to lose 50 pounds, and I did. You know, I lost 50 pounds, and I started inviting my patients to come. I started boxing to come boxing with me. And uh, the ones who were capable, uh, you know, physically capable, it wouldn't be a detriment to them And because I wanted us to be accountable together. Mm-hmm. And it and, and that's the same type thing that happened. That's why I said I really love your story. I absolutely, positively love your story. Are you still boxing? Absolutely. I do. I don't box as much as I used to, but I absolutely do. That's pretty cool. What yeah. a great overall exercise, too. You know, it is. The, and it's and I, getting it your frustrations is. out, too. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. No, no, we don't, I don't spar my patients. We don't spar each other. <laughs> so we, um, it's all in a bag. It's in a class like setting. So we just, you know, we, we box around the bag, we throw punches to the bag. But um, that's how that goes. And I didn't know, I've always enjoyed the sport. And I had no idea that such short little movements would, you know, were so, um, consume so much energy. And it is a lot. Of, you do burn a lot of calories, do it, a whole lot of calories. I used to wrestle in high school, and, and uh, I can remember, uh, you know, you think three minutes is nothing, mm-hmm. how exhausted I was yes. after a match. Mm-hmm. Full body yes. workout, a full body it's workout. incredible. Now, I have to tell you, I, I've been working uh, with Cora for several years now. I never saw her as overweight, uh, but I can see the difference since mm-hmm. she lost 50 pounds, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And, and, you know, it's funny when you see somebody every day, you, you don't, you just, that's just the way they look, you know, you just right. get used to the way they look. But, you know, when I, I tell patients who are looking to lose weight, especially like people who are newly women, especially who are newly diagnosed with diabetes, who I know are, you know, with our body image disturbances, women get, get a little disgusted with the way we look. I said, look, if you want to lose weight, here's what you need to do. You need to get honest and real with yourself. You need to strip down and get completely naked in front of a full length mirror mm-hmm. and don't tilt it up, make it flush with the wall so that you actually right. don't elongate yourself your reflection and make yourself look thinner oh wait a minute that's a trick i never knew i know it is it that's, is so you tilt the mirror yeah. up, you tilt the mirror and it makes and you, you look, look longer you look longer and, and, and thinner. thinner and and yeah it's, it's a great it's a great trick that a lot of mirrors and in, in like department stores will do but it's very yeah. subtle wow but yeah, and they make you think that their clothes are really nice, right. and then you get Why home and they're awful. Why doesn't that dress look as good as it did at the store? <laughs> yeah, it looked like a burlap right. sack put on. Um, so, so yeah, oh. I tell them get real with your body and look at yourself and look at the parts that you don't like, and make a commitment because you have to commit. You have to wake up that day and say, "I choose to do this." And in the process of the losing weight, you're controlling your high blood pressure, you're controlling your cholesterol, exactly. and you're controlling your diabetes exactly. without even thinking about it. Exactly. Without even thinking about it. Now, I want to shift gears, uh, if we may, uh, for just a minute. And by the way, if you've just joined us, uh, we're talking on our WellMed radio hotline with Dr. Tamika Perry. She's at WellMed at Red Squ- Redbird Square up near Dallas. We've been talking about a variety of issues, including obesity, talking about diabetes and treatment and diagnosis. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Cora Juke. And Dr. Perry, I, I want to turn for a moment uh, to stroke because a really good friend of mine uh, about a week ago uh, suffered a stroke. He's a guy uh, probably in his early 40s, great health, exercises. You know the bumper sticker, I eat right, I exercise, and I died anyhow. He, he was in right. really good health, ended up with a very serious stroke. He's now in uh, rehab. Uh, and I, I wonder... Uh, would there have been symptoms before that stroke hit? Was there something that he may not have uh, interpreted? Because I remember not too many years ago interviewing the uh, former Spurs Coyote, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Tim Dirk, who had a stroke and talked about how he had, uh, you know, tiny little strokes that he paid no attention to until he had the big one. Maybe, maybe not. You know, there's different types of strokes. There, there are uh, hemorrhagic strokes, there are ischemic strokes, you know. Um, and um, he could have had an anomaly of his vasculature, meaning that it could have been formed a little differently than everyone else. The vasculature in his brain that predisposed him to like an aneurysm and it ruptured, it caused the stroke. Um, he could have had... Um, premature atherosclerosis um, throughout his body and, and, you know, and it affected the vasculature in his brain that caused the stroke. Or he could have had little symptoms of headache, blurred vision, ringing in his ears, um, dizziness, near syncope, that he just kind of, some of these things could be insidious. You know, he could have thought, well, you know, maybe I'm a little, uh, I feel a little woozy or a little tired because 
Maybe it's my allergies. And these could be small signs of this near syncopal episode of I'm going to have a stroke, but I, I'm just going to not pay that much attention to it because I am in good shape. So when you ask me, you know, could he have had signs of it? Possibly. But in, in your friend, if he was really in good shape like that, maybe not. Maybe it was something that it was maybe something that was congenital that was there and then it, that we couldn't have anticipated happening. I mean, the good news is the doctors apparently are telling him because he was in such good shape, right. uh, he's doing very well in recovery and awesome. they expect him to get uh, almost everything back. And hindsight's awesome. always twenty twenty. You know, when we're right. looking back on things, you know, as... as a lot of our patients, they they don't necessarily know what they should have seen coming until they're sitting there talking, well, did you have this and did you have that? Or even in just casual conversation, oh, I experienced a stroke and here's what happened beforehand. So, they, you know, sometimes people think, oh, well, I'm just dizzy because I haven't drank enough water today. Right, Everybody right. dismisses things. We tend not to listen to our own bodies. We tend not to let them communicate to our brains to tell us something is wrong. We tend to blow them off. And so when we do that, we are only hurting ourselves. And so I tell my patients all the time, listen to your body. If it's telling you to stop, stop. If, it, if you're dizzy, right. try to figure out why you're dizzy. Don't dismiss it. Try to figure out why. Have some water if you haven't drank any water. But if it's not getting better, Go see your doctor. People people like to go and even our seniors, you know, going back to just the senior population, I have so many of them that say, I'll come to you when I feel bad. I don't think that right. I should come to you every three or six months. And I say, well, do you change the oil on your car? And they say, well, yeah. I say, do you do it every three to 5,000 miles? They say, yeah. I said, is there something wrong with your car when you take it in? And they say, no. So well, there's nothing wrong with your body either. But you need that preventative maintenance. That's now, a good do you, point. Yeah. Do you find in your population is disproportionate with the guys and the girls? Oh, absolutely, the absolutely. Yeah. The women, well, guys, women are most guys likely never to come, come in. in, right? But no. they're but the guys. I love it when they do come in because usually they bring their wives, and it's a tell-all. And their wives will sit there and point the finger. Oh, he does this or he does that. And I love it when the couples tell on each other because when they do that, I find out so much more information. Me too. Love couple visits. <laughs> so instead of couple massages for Valentine's Day, we're going to do couple visits. That's a pretty <laughs> right. good idea. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Give them a gift certificate for a couple visit. That's right. Couple visits because you will find so much more out. You know, men typically, we've talked about in the past, you know, depression on other shows. And men typically don't like to admit to depression, but their wives are the first one to throw them under the bus. Um, you know, men a lot of times are the first ones to tell me, I will come in when I feel bad. And I said, but when you feel bad, it's too late. And there's so many right. diseases that affect men that you need to be checked out right away. You know, it's interesting. When I was diagnosed with uh, atrial fibrillation, AFib, uh, I, I had uh, symptoms the day I was diagnosed that I dismissed as, well, I'm just tired. I've been doing too much. We have three little kids, and I said, oh, I've been chasing around the house too much. And when I got into uh, uh, my PCP's office, Dr. Richard Presses, uh, the nurse came in, and you always know there's an issue when she uh, checked my blood pressure, and then she was checking my heart rate, and she looked at me, her eyes as big as saucers, <laughs> and she said, uh, I'll be back in a minute. And I knew right. that was not a good sign. Sure. And, and then uh, Dr. Presses came in and said, you know, we're going to recheck your heart rate. It's a little high. It was at 169 beats per minute. And I didn't feel it. It wasn't as if I knew there was something hammering in my chest, uh, but it caused great concern on their part, fortunately. You know, wow. You, you, didn't feel, you didn't have any symptoms at 169? I was short of breath. Oh, he wow. did. He had yeah. symptoms. Oh, stop and, and it. He, Cora's and he telling chose, on me. And he chose to ignore them. And in and all honesty, he probably had these symptoms for quite some time. And just, But they were small and they were subtle. And so they came on gradually that he just never really paid attention to them. She, she's dropping he, a dime on me right now. Yeah. So this is yes. couples therapy My here. My favorite co-host <laughs> is throwing me under the bus. <laughs> but, you know, the, the interesting point is, and uh, Dr. Perry, I, I could hear it in your voice. I didn't really feel that, uh, that rapid heartbeat. Uh, right. It, but now that I've been diagnosed and uh, have gone through... Uh, a couple of uh, cardioversions, a couple of shocks, 
uh, to get my heart back in uh, normal sinus rhythm. Now I'm aware when my heart is going a little fast. And that's just like diabetes. So diabetes is not a disease that stands up and says, hello, I'm here, come treat me. Instead, what it says is, let's do these little things. You know, maybe they think they've been drinking too much water. They've been, you know, they're just extremely hungry. They have a tapeworm or something, you know, and and let's do, let's have them lose weight. And, And so diabetes does this gradually that people don't pay attention to it. They think their foot is numb because there's something wrong with their back. People dismiss it for all these different reasons. Wait a minute, my foot shouldn't be numb? No. Hang on a minute. We're going to come right back to you and uh, (laughs) Dr. Tamika Perry. I'm Ron Aaron, along with uh, Cora Juke, nurse practitioner. You're listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. Carol Zornio, we talk a lot about caregiving on Caregiver SOS on air, but what is it? Caregiving is caring for a family member, a friend, a loved one, someone who's in your life that needs help with bathing, dressing, buying groceries, medical appointments. If you do any of those things, you're a caregiver. And how can this program help? Caregiver SOS On Air has information from people who have been caregivers, who work with caregivers. It can be book authors, scientists, doctors, the latest information on caregiving right here on KLUP. And one of the things we learn from so many folks is they fail to ask for help when they need it. Well, caregivers do need help. We don't like to ask for help, but we need it. And you'll get tips on how to ask for help and how to have a better life as a family caregiver. Plus, there's a great website you can go to, caregiversos.org. Caregiver SOS on air, Sundays at 6 p.m. on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. We are so pleased you were with us here on WellMed Radio. We're talking with Dr. Tamika Perry up at the WellMed at Redbird Square outside of Dallas. And we're talking about all kinds of issues involving diabetes and obesity. And I mentioned strokes. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, nurse practitioner, Cora Juke. And when you come to diagnosing something like uh, AFib, uh, are there symptoms that people need to be aware of before their heart hits 169 or 170 beats per minute? Absolutely. Like you said before, fatigue, shortness of breath, dizziness, these are all absolutely symptoms. Uh, Most certainly AFib can happen to anyone, but um, past 60, 65 years of age is um, uh, symptoms of AFib uh, are are more, you're more likely to have atrial fibrillation. If you've ever gone to the um, doctor or the cardiologist before and you've had a normal EKG, something called premature atrial uh, contractions or uh, beats that are a little bit more rapid but not quite AFib. This kind of puts you at risk of having AFib. Um, these are signs that you may want to say, hey, I've had this funny EKG before. I'm short of breath now more than I've been with ambulation, with walking. I'm a little bit more tired. I feel dizzy. I might need to get to the doctor. This isn't just, you know, I, 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 this isn't just allergies. This isn't just I'm playing more with my grandchildren. I might need to get to the doctor. Yeah, my uh, EKG looked like spaghetti. Oh, okay. Well, that's not good. No. That's not good at all. <laughs> Very good. I like the way you said that. No, spaghetti's not good. No, uh, no. You know, now Knockwood is under control with uh, with medication, and I did have the uh, uh, cardioversion heart shock uh, yes. twice, which I didn't seem to mind, and it helped uh, the second time. But there's always a risk of dropping out of normal sinus rhythm, I guess. Yes, there is. Um, with AFib, there is. I mean, there's a couple treatments for AFib. You can do um, medications um, like amiodarone. You can do... Yeah, I'm on that. Rate con- yes, yes. And that, that keeps you in a normal rhythm. Um, you can do the cardioversion where it kind of tells the um, natural pacemaker of your heart, you know, you need to act right because you're not acting right 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 now. And that's what the cardioversion does. It kind of shocks it back into a normal rhythm, or at least that's what it's attempting to do. Right. Um, and then you have medicines that control the actual rate of your heart, like uh, medicines called calcium channel blockers or medicines called beta blockers, and they blockade certain receptors on your heart that control the rate, how fast your heart is running. Mm. And ultimately, uh, pacemaker for some people? Pacemaker for some people, absolutely. So we go through, Yeah, pacemaker for some people, absolutely. So if we do certain procedures on your heart or if we just can't get it right, we can put in a device 
that actually tells your heart, we need you to beat so many beats per minute, and we're forcing it to beat so many beats per minute. Interesting. So, mm-hmm. Dr. Perry, we are almost out of time, so it's unfair to ask you this question, but I'll ask anyhow. Sure. Uh, I've noticed on television uh, in the last several months more and more ads for medications targeting COPD. Is there an epidemic, or is it just pharmaceutical companies trying to make more money? It's probably a combination of both. Um, You know, the baby boomers are reaching their senior point, and the baby boomers were the ones that were, um, I think, most affected by tobacco because they were the ones that were targeted by the tobacco industry. This is prior to, you know, the big lawsuit before everyone was made well aware that tobacco was bad for you. I mean, my dad was a smoker. My grandpa was a smoker. In fact, my grandpa died of lung cancer. My dad grew up on a tobacco farm. I mean, that's how my, wow. you know, my grandpa made his money. So now these individuals are in their golden years, and a, and a significant portion of them have COPD. Wow. At the very least, simple bronchitis, which is a smoker's cough, a cough in the morning from years of of, uh, of uh, smoking, and, the, and that just tells me that COPD is right around the corner. So now there are different mechanisms of action, newer, better drugs, besides just steroids or long-acting um, albuterol-type medicines to help preserve the integrity of the lungs. Mm. So when you ask that question, I, I honestly think it's a combination okay. of both. i got to stop you right there. We are flat out of time. Mm-hmm. You are a wonderful okay. guest, and uh, well, we don't often invite me. people back, but we would love to have you back Absolutely. on Wellman Radio. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, it was no wonderful. I'd love to come back. Wonderful Thanks. talking with you. Dr. Tamika Perry up at WellMed at Redbird Square. We really appreciate her coming on. We are flat out of time. I'm Ron Aaron along with Cora Juke. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. It was a wonderful time. Next week, we're going to talk about head colds. Ooh. And seniors. Hachoo. And cough. <laughs> Neuritis, neuralgia, and other stuff. This is WellMed Radio on 930 AM. The Answer here is Sunday at 5 p.m. You've been enjoying WellMed Radio, an exclusive presentation of WellMed Medical Management. Join us next week for more on your health and well-being. For more information on WellMed or to hear this broadcast again, go to wellmedmedicalgroup.com. We'll see you next week on WellMed Radio.